From Cleveland, Ohio, this is the Cleveland Stage Podcast, brought to you by Fog Properties. Better buildings, better business. Find us at fog.com. And now, your hosts, Tyler Whitten and Ian Wolfgang Hens. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cleveland Stage Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hens. And we're back in 2018. We made it through the new year and the holiday season with everything going on. And this is this is it, man. Yeah, it's been a little bit since we talked last, but yeah. here we are. New year, new sponsor. New sponsor. We want to thank Fog Properties here in Cleveland, who do a lot of commercial uh, property and uh, industry or industrious things. That's right. They build things. Yeah, you can find them at fog.com. That's fog with two Gs. Uh, a lot of great stuff there. They were, were kind enough to uh, be our media sponsor for this year, which is great. It's exactly what we were looking for. Exactly. Because we got a little tired of uh, having nobody's name on the opening. <laughs> That's right. And if you'd like naming rights, we can yeah. <laughs> rename the podcast. Just get in touch with us. I'm telling you, I'll rename it the Donald Trump Podcast if they give us enough money. <laughs> but it'll have to be in Russian. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It'll be huge in Moscow. Forget you, Guam. <laughs> Guam. Well, we've had a lot of success in Guam over yeah, the holidays. We're huge in Guam. Talk about that a little bit if we want. And we're here today with our good friend and the person who keeps it all together here at Ensemble Theater, oh Becca Mosley, the wonderful Becca, <laughs> the more than capable Becca, the and Becca who, if she suddenly died out of an asteroid hit, we would all fall apart. The indomitable I mean, Becca. yes, because you would also all die from the same asteroid. So. <laughs> it depends how big the asteroid is. Yeah, and where you're standing. Asteroid. Right, oh, and where I'm standing, more yeah. importantly. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you've thought a little too much about me being hit by an asteroid. <laughs> I think about a lot of people getting hit by asteroids. Oh, good. Just because it feels months. like the less guilty way of just not having anybody in my life anymore. No, that's fair. Cosmic. <laughs> you get a lot of writing done. It's yeah. right. You get a lot more done. <laughs> you got to wait till the holograms go a little further, though. That yeah. way you can yeah. be the last person on Earth. And... Mm, there's an episode. Of... So, uh, 2018, mm-hmm. New Year, and we have uh, Angels in America went up. Becca, you were the stage manager of that production. Was and currently and am. Currently it's am. still running. It's yes. still going. Yes. Uh, we just got through our first weekend, and it yeah. was a yes, heck of a weekend. Yeah, it opening was. Weekend. It was great. Great audiences. Some we were great, uh, uh, capacity crowds. Good feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the audiences seem to uh, really love it. Yeah. We're just waiting for Tony Kushner to take us up on the offer of the free tickets. That's right. They're here, Tony, if you want just them. Just you and plus one. <laughs> we don't need you showing up with your entourage. Uh, it's a great play. And it, it's. I remember when we announced it, I was thinking like, eh, you know, we did normal hearts. Nobody's really dying of AIDS anymore. Then we had an election, and it feels like yeah. <laughs> this play has become uh, more and more relevant in ways that maybe was not expected, uh, but maybe even possibly hoped for yeah, I was 25 talking, years ago when it first came I was, out on Broadway. I was talking to somebody uh, recently in, in, uh, from one of the other nonprofits here in the building, and we were talking about how it kind of feels like a really bizarro 1980 that we're living yeah. through now, you know. It's take two. Take yeah, the two. parallels with Reagan are really strong. I mean, Roy Cohn, uh, you know, being part of that Reagan regime and also being one of Donald Trump's lawyers. But Donald Trump seems like the even crazier, like if I'm going to write a sci-fi version of 1980, that feels like what we're living through in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. I feel um, like a lot of that's happened from like the Like I remember watching some of the 80s movies like uh, Running Man, for example, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. About a guy in this weird game show. where, And it's like, Obviously, that would never happen. And then a few years later, you get like American Gladiators, yeah. 
I mean, sure, nobody's life is on the line, but... Yeah, but still. Yeah. Yeah, it's really timely again, and I think great plays have that, though. Yeah. I think that there's something in Angels in America that uh, speaks to the, the universality of human nature and power and how we all survive uh, kind of that abuse of power and uh, what's important with each other and how we find these journeys, right? Talked about that a little bit. Yeah. It's been great. It's been a great thing, and I, I know, Becca, we want to talk to you a little bit about what it was like stage managing. An adventure. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's what, three hours and 20 minutes? It's three hours and 20 minutes runtime. Including, uh, including the intermissions. two intermissions. Yes. There are two intermissions. Each act runs about an hour. So that's great. We did great. Um, we really told the story in an efficient way, considering mm-hmm. that I believe the London production that's coming to Broadway here in February runs over four hours, including their intermissions. So yes. we've done something right. It is succinct. <laughs> yeah, on the technical side, we've kept it moving. Mm-hmm. We kept yeah. the pace up, which is great. Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. feel... I mean, we've all seen it, uh, obviously, for the last month and a half. It doesn't feel like, even now, for me, it doesn't feel like it's three hours or that it drags no. on. No, the show really moves, and it's a great pace. It's been set. There's a good flow. Technically, there's a good flow. Um, there's a lot of scenes in Angels in America, mm-hmm. and we managed, I think, to find a way to move through them fairly seamlessly and still create an, an awesome, creative environment for the actors. And it feels like that's the intent of the writer, right? Like yeah, Tony Kushner, sure. I don't think he's somebody who's like, just take your time in between scenes. <laughs> There's 27 of them, so don't worry about yeah, it, no. about killing the rhythm. But yeah, no, I think uh, Celeste and you, of course, Becca, and of course the wonderful cast mm-hmm. uh, did a great job of keeping the play uh, moving along. Yeah, the cast is really, really amazing. They're I mean, strong, it's, strong it's cast. some of the best actors in Cleveland in this show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that that's really also what the production focuses on in a lot of ways, is it get, gets out of the way and it lets the story be told by these great actors. You know, it's not overly done mm-hmm. um, scenically or, or uh, design-wise in any way, you know. And I think uh, it's enough to tell the story and, and it allows the actors to really shine. Which yeah, great. which I think sure. the play also calls for, because while there are 27 scenes, there mm-hmm. aren't many that have more than three people, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. I think there's only a handful that have three people. It's yeah, very, very much people talking to each other. You know, yeah, real and not nice. including the split scenes where there are four people, but they're in two separate moments. But yeah, even in those moments, it's two separate conversations happening mm-hmm. that just happen to be sharing the same time and space, and yeah. you get to see the parallels between those conversations with these different people, but it's not... It's not a group discussion, you know, it's still yeah. just two people talking. And I was actually surprised, uh, and I don't know who was behind this, although I can gather a guess, the opening videos, that, like, while, while the audience is coming in, mm-hmm. you know, the old Oprah Winfrey show, mm-hmm. where they talk about AIDS in that little Arkansas town, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, they just really put everything into context. And I think this is a play, like, what we were, like, what Becca was just saying about it being intimate between these characters, like that's what makes it universal, right? Yeah. Because I think you have a tendency to look at Angels in America and think, AIDS! Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But, you know, and while, yes, it's about the AIDS epidemic and the rise, it's really about people who are mm-hmm. in this It's It's also, world. you know, and in those videos, there's also a video about Stonewall. Yeah. yeah. And the anniversary yeah. of Stonewall, and, and really it's also about that. It's about um, what it means to be a closeted mm-hmm. person in, in society and how do you come to terms with that and how do you... Um, maybe come out to your family and how do you, you know, internally, how do you acknowledge that self? You know, with Mm -hmm. Joe Joe Pitt, the character of Joe Pitt, that's really his arc. Yeah. So I think the story is, um, you know, it's it's a lot more than just about HIV and AIDS. I think it's about, it really is a gay fantasia on national themes in that Mm -hmm. sense. It's about, it's about all of it and all that relationship. And it it humanizes characters in a way that I think 
um, a lot of issue plays don't necessarily sure. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. do. They be, you know, a lot of issue plays, characters can tend to become uh, just kind of a, a representation yeah. of something. Well, yeah, and we've talked about this, and I talk about it a lot with the writers, right? Which is, um, you know, if you want to write about an issue, that's fine, but come up with the story first. Mm-hmm. And let the issue come out through the story rather than what happens a lot of times, especially with early writers, is they just, I want to write a play about bullying or I want to write a play about, you know, cancer or whatever. And that's what it's about. But people, you know, audiences aren't, we don't, we don't attract or attach ourselves to issues or themes. We attach ourselves to story. And from those stories and like the great stories that Angels in America has, you know, we're able to um, get an understanding of what the messages are. Yeah, and I and I think um, I think that Angels Part One especially really has uh, a lot of a, a lot a lot to say about how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's a, a it's a lot about how we treat each other and how we feel about ourselves and how feeling about ourselves affects how we interact with other people mm-hmm. and uh, the fears. You know, we've talked about that the fears that we have and the mm-hmm. fears coming out mm-hmm. and the. Um, you know our takes on society. You know Roy Cohn's take on society and and what how he views power, um, as opposed to maybe how how Joe Pitt views the power and how you know how uh, you know his wife and, and Lewis and Pryor. All these people have different views on what the the politics are. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow the the play manages to cut through all the politics and put all of these people on stage, and you still see them as human beings separate from their politics. Yeah. We're able to isolate them. You even kind of, in a couple moments, feel sorry for Roy Cohn. Yeah, well, I, mean, <laughs> I do, at least. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I mean you, can't, you can't have a character that you just hate. There, there has to be. There can't just be a purely evil character on stage. There are people who just have a different, what is it, different definition of what's right. Well, yeah. it's then I think everybody... Um, you know, the idea of a pure evil character is that mm-hmm. they don't have a goal. They're just evil yeah. for their yeah, reasons. But everybody has chaotic. their motivations, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you may not agree with mm-hmm. Roy Cohn's motivations, but he's yeah. got them, and he's sticking to them. Well, I think one of, there's a, a line in the show that I think is incredibly underrated and I think jumps out and has always jumped out at me as part of what the show is about, and it actually is a Lewis line. It belongs to mm-hmm. the character of Lewis. And he's talking to Pryor, and he says, I need to find a way to save myself. Mm. And I think that that is something that every character in the show is doing. They're trying to find a way to save themselves. You know, you have Joe, who's on his own personal exploration of of his sexuality and his love and his identity and his relationship with his wife. And you have Harper, who's trying to find her way through existence. You have Lewis, who's obviously literally trying to find a way to save himself from the situation that he's in. I just think that that's important in terms of talking about humanizing the characters and humanizing the experience when you watch the show and you see them interacting with each other. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, what's, Ian, you designed the set. I did. For the most part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what was the, uh, the impetus of this design? Like what? How did how do you how did you see it function with with the play? Well, we moved we moved the space which had been in a thrust, um, and then it had it had been in a deep thrust for um, the Harry Ape, and we moved it uh, in a really short time three weeks. We we transformed the space into a proscenium with wings and uh, four moving screens. The front two screens are twelve feet by uh, fifteen feet each, so you've got about thirty feet 
across by 12 feet high of video projection surface. And then there's another level behind that, 8 feet behind that, uh, which is uh, about 10 feet high, so you, you, 28 feet wide. So, um, And those were basically just to allow us to, to reveal things. I mean, this play is challenging in the fact that you want to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not really about the set. And, and there are there have been, you know, uh, Tony Kushner's even written uh, articles and talked about how some of his most famous uh, productions of this have been things that are really stripped down and really mm-hmm. bare bones. Um, and I think that we've accomplished a good balance with this show. I think that the, the video allows us to, to get in and out of some of the transitions. It allows us to have a, a backdrop for the actors and a, and a visual cue for the audience to know, hey, this is where the scene is kind of taking place. And it's not literal in the sense that it's not a, a photograph of a place. It's their paintings and their um, their representations of these locations, mm-hmm. right? Of what they could be, um, and it's on a raked stage, which was important to me. So um, there's a three degree rake in this, and and that's because I think it really uh, provides a little bit of, of uh, movement rakes. I think for the audience especially, and I'd seen a lot of shows in Cleveland that were designed uh, that were in spaces and performed in spaces that were really directed for a proscenium. But uh, right. the spaces were maybe mm-hmm. thrusts, yeah. and so if you're sitting on the side, you're not really getting yeah. uh, what the the play is looking like, uh, and that just always bothered me. So I thought, you know, if we we're gonna do a show like Angels in America, which has to bring on things like beds and and gurneys and yeah, uh, you know, and, and move quickly between these different locations and scenes, that we had to figure out a way to do that, and to also keep it on the actors mm-hmm. and keep the words paramount. You know, it, it didn't want it to be overbearing. And so that's why we, we moved to a proscenium to give it that opportunity so we had wing space to bring things on. And we and we use wagons, which is a first-time thing for us, which yeah. is an old theatrical convention that mm-hmm. helps us get some of these larger units on and off quickly to help keep the pace moving. So really, for me, it was a lot about pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot about also speaking to the to the audience that we have now and how theater audiences have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the idea and the concept of having a, a completely black hole or a black void without anything behind them and just doing it that stripped down is great. And I think for a, a lot of theater people, that's really appealing. And I mm-hmm. think that that's an amazing thing uh, for, for an artistic statement. But I also am conscious of the fact that, you know, we have... 99 seats in our theater and 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 there are going to be people that are going to be coming to the show that are used to watching television that are used Mm -hmm. to watching movies and that's really a lot of their entry into into this kind of artistic world and i think seeing video projection and 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 this has always been my thing you know since we started doing it about eight eight to ten years ago has been it's just a way for people to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. right it's a way for people to kind of say oh i see what's going on here and it it just makes them feel more comfortable and able to to understand the, the context of the scenes and the and the play, which is ultimately the goal, yeah, you know, and I never wanted to get, um, I never wanted to get the the design in the way of what we're trying to say, and so I, I tried to make it use it to help make it a little more accessible, if anything. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a functionality in the way that it's built right now because we did because we changed the setup of the theater. Uh, it's so wide and big, mm-hmm. and it feels like the way that we're doing the play and the way that, that it's designed, it actually narrows the focus a lot, which is important, right? Because we, as we've been talking mm-hmm. about, it's such an intimate play. Mm-hmm. But it really forces a lot of the action to the audience, uh, which I think is a nice happenstance of this really um, massive undertaking that we've done. Yeah, and I mean, light, the lighting is important, too. Yeah. Right? I mean, so the lighting really helps define the space. For these actors to act in along with the projections and then really it's about the actors at that point 
and the costuming, which is fabulous. The mm-hmm. costuming in this production is is really great. Um, you know, and I and I think that all of those design elements really complement the story, which is mm-hmm. what we do here mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I don't think we're a really design heavy house. I think in a lot of um, some of the Lort theaters and some of the maybe the the, the Broadway style uh, that people are going for, you know, or if they call themselves off Broadway style theaters, I think they really um, I think the design is heavy. I think it's heavy design yeah. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in academic theater, it's the same way, right? It has to do with resources and availability, right. but you know, it's just heavy design sometimes can take away from a show. Yeah, and I think we really here we try to really um, put it on the the words and the mm-hmm. actors. Yeah, I think it works. It does work, and it works well here. And we're doing part two, so this runs through January twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started rehearsals for Jelly Belly, written right. by Charles Smith, directed by. Two-time Cleveland Critics Circle Award winner Ian Wolfgang Hins. Right, how's that going? Good. Uh, we had uh, first read through. Mm-hmm. It's going really well, and that's a great cast. I think it's a sleeper show of the year. I think that people are going to really be surprised. I think it's a script that was, you know, was done twice in Chicago at Victory Gardens, and I think it got a lot of accolades, deservedly so. But in a way, I think it's kind of been a forgotten script. Yeah. I think uh, uh, because of the August Wilson cycle, I think he gets a lot of. Um, a lot more just kind of uh, publicity for his his writing, and I think uh, in this case Charles has really written a play. You know, it takes place in 1980. Um, that is uh, still very timely today. I think it's it's really people are going to be surprised by the depth of this play, and just working through it the last couple of days, we've really noticed that and, and what it speaks to. And I don't think you're going to see a play like this uh, in this theater season in Cleveland. It really it really deals with the uh, African American experience uh, in in their neighborhoods in a place where um, you know where there are issues like jobs you know and, and, and economic issues that are involved. Well, you know, do you keep do you keep trying to go to your job even though you're getting passed over for promotions by white people? Do you mm. keep going and, and, and try to stay stay you know relevant and, and work hard? Or, or do you maybe try to take the easy way out, which is in a, in a way like what Jelly Belly represents in this kind of idea of what is gangsterism and how does gangsterism relate? You know, we talked a lot about um, uh, this play reminds me a lot of like a, a Godfather mm-hmm. style play. And then it's about uh, kings uh, and queens, right, and, and territory and power and how those things uh, interact with each other. In, in these neighborhoods, and uh, I, th- I think it's a brilliant play. I really do, and I'm I'm so glad to be doing it with the, with the cast. You know, Sean Little and, and Greg White and Mary Frances Miller and um, Robert Hunter is playing Belize in uh, in Angels in America. It's just uh, and and Jab- uh, Jabri Little, who uh, you know, Rising Star Award from the Cleveland <laughs> Critics Circle. So you know, it's a really great cast, and Walter Boswell. Who also won an award for best set design? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess this, we haven't this, talked this about the theater year, awards. Well, theater yeah. awards a little bit, so he won the best set design, but he's designing the show, and I just think it's going to knock people on 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 their butts a little bit. I it's think already it's, an award-winning show. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, is yeah. by just the people in it. Yeah, uh, but I think it's really good. I think it's a it's it's a it's a really gritty, gritty mm-hmm. show, and I think it it deals with issues that are uh, in a way that. Um, we haven't seen a lot on, on Cleveland stages. And mm-hmm. Becca, as the mm-hmm. stage manager jumping from Angels to Jelly mm-hmm. Belly, does it feel like you're almost on vacation? It's like slipping into a hot bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, that, that sounds really harsh towards Angels. No, Angels is a little bit like stage managing a musical, in a sense. There's a lot 
of moving pieces. There's a lot of cues. There's a lot of different things to consider. Jelly Belly is going to be an hour and a half in and out unit set, no intermission. Not a whole lot yeah, for, I mean, it's, for it's me all to real worry time about. Too, right? yeah, yeah, all all real time. So it's um, Angels is very much a, a traditional production. There's a lot for me to do as an SM. There's a lot for me to call. There's a lot for me to be running around dealing with. Uh, and Jelly Belly is going to be a show where once I call lights up and music out, it's kind of up to the actors. And that, uh, well, a little terrifying as a stage manager because you can't help them. And you're just them. in the booth <laughs> having some wine. Yeah, and, you know, it's also it's Flipping also through a magazine, yeah. catching up on all your so, reading. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a nice a nice um, a nice break, but then we jump right back into Perestroika, the second part of Angels, and mm. we'll be right back at it. So it's uh, Yeah, and one of the cool things about, you know, you guys moving into Perestroika mm-hmm. in uh, we talked a little bit about this is that the sets already there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've already worked with each other on one show and yeah. uh, they a did lot their of the groundwork Done. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. That's an opportunity that doesn't really come along. No, you guys will just go right into Tech Week. That's right. Pretty First much. week. Just show up. Here we go. Here we go. You know how There's a light. No, it's, uh, it's going to be great, though. Both shows are going to be great. Great. Well, it's uh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. stage podcast. And we don't want to short we don't want to short the New Plays Festival, either, since no, we're yeah. kind of talking about the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, we've got Mama Moon, which is a play about Keith Moon and Mama Cass, so mm-hmm. that's coming up in between... Uh, Jelly Belly and Perestroika as well. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot going on here. And we're starting uh, our first event of the 2018 Columbian New Place Festival. It's going to happen in uh, two weeks, in January 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do a set of readings from our stage rights, uh, dealing with themes from Angels in America, which is going to be great. Yeah. And that'll be happening here at Ensemble, uh, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, January 24th. That's right, and get out and support your your local artists. Yeah, there's too. a lot of great shows going around. A lot of yeah. great theater. Uh, you know, you got to come and see Angels in America first. That's a requirement. I mean, start gonna... at the top. Start <laughs> at the top. And then raise the bar, and then that's what you do. That's exactly. how you should go see theater. Great. Well, again, we want to thank our uh, our new media sponsors, Fog Properties here in Cleveland. You can visit them at fog.com. That's Fog with two Gs, and also. Uh, we have another um, sponsor. Out for those of you who are listening in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you can visit <laughs> Discount Home Improvement for all of your cabinetry and discount home improvement needs. And we'll come you, up with a better tagline for them. And if you'd like to, you know, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast or sponsor any of our other uh, goings on here at Ensemble Theater, feel free to email us at info at ensemble-theater.org. We have no problems with selling out. As I like to say, we are a nonprofit <laughs> arts organization. Line. Yeah, ensemble theater, no problems. We'll just take the money. It's, it's fine. It's great. It's great to you know. It's great to be back in the new year, and we'll have another couple podcasts coming at you. Yep. So please uh, like like us and and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast goodness from. Is that how you say that? Sure. I think so. That's how I you think say it is it. now. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Cleveland Stage Podcast. Thank you, Becca. Woo. I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hens. And we'll see you next time on the Cleveland Stage Podcast. Remember, Tyler, all the oh, world's a stage. We're not doing that this year. We're going to come up with another... Remember, all the wow. world's a stage. And everyone... We're not doing that this year. Everyone's a player. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs>